Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Beers. Yes, it's nearly 5 p.m. and therefore uh, time to knock off work, folks, uh, and have a beer, especially as it's Friday, uh, and along with some rugby chat and joining me this evening for a beer and a chat, um, I've uh, got Boa. How are you doing, sir? Never better. Line red, the working man's beer. You got it. It is, but you've opened it too early. Look, you've still got another one minute and 15 seconds to go until it's five o'clock. Jeez, jeez, early starter there. I mean, mine's mine's still in its Waikato, uh, unclo- uh, um, Waikato colours, um, uh, uh, cosy there to keep it all nice and cold. Um, we also well, kind you, of have Stephen with us, but he looks like he's, uh, yes, his uh, connection is not so great. So let's wait till he comes back and uh, and is with us. Hope you're staying nice and safe, um, Bella. Yeah, not too bad. Just been at home um, since pretty much lockdown started. Plenty of stuff to do around the house. As you know, I'm a bit of a environmentalist and a con- you know, conservation champion. So back end of the Papakura stream needs a bit of cleaning up. So there's no, sh- no shortage of that. It's kept me busy. It's uh, it's a bit muddy, and the tide's starting to uh, be on the rising side as well. So, kind of got to time things around. So it's certainly kept me busy. But apart from that, I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe, and I hope everyone is enjoying a beer, or maybe two. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, ten seconds to go before I can open my beer. How are you doing, Stephen? Oh, very good. Thank you, Paul, and uh, cheers as well. Um, so you, you so you've gone early as well. So two. One, five o'clock. There we go. Open it just on five. Let's see. Uh, you can't, can't, uh, can't go too early. And then, of course, you've got my well, famous four to leave the gas in the glass. Early, early birds get the worms. What can I say? <laughs> need, there need we go. On, need some work on that four, though, Paul. Oh, I love yeah, it. Too it, much it I think it's all the gas in the glass, not in your belly. So, uh, <laughs> A couple of uh, kind of news items that we'll talk about today is um, was, uh, Razzie not travelling with South Africa. We've got uh, time in play compared to the NRL was, was a question I've had on Twitter. Um, the uh, Blackburn Sevens have announced a new coach. Triple T is off to the uh, Crusaders. I've also been asked, is rugby too much of a defensive mindset? 
Um, and uh, also we've got uh, Ian Foster talking about this being a tour like no other. So um, a lot, a lot of stuff to uh, a lot of sort of news items. We're not going to get through all that in our little fun Friday chat. Um, so but um, some of those stuff will save for the Driving More show on Tuesday. Um, but uh, Stephen, you've been keeping OK? Because I've not, uh, I've not had the, not done the pleasantries yet. Oh, yeah, no, pretty good. Been a week, been a working week, so a little bit full on, full on. Got a bit of a jab on uh, Wednesday of the first jab, so uh, the Pfizer jab, that is. So, yeah, no, apart from that, pretty good. Yeah, good on you, mate. Good on you. Very good. So, yeah, I had my first one this week as well. I think also on Wednesday. So there we go. Um, and uh, look, different people react differently to it, folks. But for me, uh, unless I move my arm, I don't even realise I've, I've had it and uh, a little pain there. Uh, I know other people, have, it has, has a bit more of an effect on it. And um, we're all different um, from that point of view. Um, so, yeah. Uh, dear me. So where do you want to start, Boa? Actually, let's, let's, let's talk about a, um, a ball in playtime is one that you, um, you've talked about previously. Uh, so I asked about this on uh, the old Twitter and got given this um, this graphic of, of, of stats to show how much uh, ball is in play, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so according to, the, according to Sean, uh, and thanks Paul for forwarding, Paul Rooney for forwarding this to me, uh, the uh, game average time of ball in play is 62 minutes for rugby league, 35 for rugby union, and 11 for NFL. And I remember that for NFL, that's a 60-minute game, not an 80-minute game. It's still less than the other two. But I guess what it shows here is that um, it's not about whether you're repeating the same thing over and over, because that's what league and NFL both have very uh, similar structure that, uh, or a repetitive structure to the game. It's about the number of stoppages, isn't it, really, that, uh, that decides how much play you're going to get in your 80 minutes. It's a scrum, uh, Paul. The key, the key element here is the scrum, because... Last test match where the Wallabies played uh, in Eden Park got absolutely walloped by the All Blacks. You know, almost 20 minutes. That's one quarter was for stop-start resets of scrums. So if you compare that against rugby league, the scrum is pretty much non-existent. You know, it's they just kind of pile on in, ball goes in. You know, you very rarely do you see a tight end. It's nice and crisp and clean. You know, whole 10 seconds to get rid of the whole thing. So that's where the, the game has really sped up particularly in league and also um, the continuity where obviously the rucks aren't contested apart from the one-on-one strip. Uh, so, you know, different different sort of rules clearly have a different outcome here. Uh, but you compare that to rugby union, we have just far too many complicated rules, you know, particularly around the breakdown. The breakdown, in my view, is completely broken down. Uh, you know, and of course, oh, you, the, you, you, you missed you missed my rugby laws um, uh, uh, chat. We can do another one of those perhaps over the weekend. Uh, so we're we're going to the laws here, but I mean, stoppages also are how long it takes to take a line out, for example. So teams huddling up and having a discussion before they walk up to the line out, just walk up to the line out and call it, folks. Um, is uh, that that also is another area that needs to be uh, to be sped up, uh, and also proper enforcement of the uh, sort of 60 seconds to take a kick mm -hmm. of goal. Also, another way that we lose time legitimately uh, at the moment, which is why we're down. And look, that 35 minutes is actually quite generous when you consider that, I think, what was it? The second uh, uh, box Lions test was 26 minutes. So it's, it goes way, that's a, that's a generous one. And I think that 62 is probably generous for rugby league as well. I think it's probably in the uh, sort of high 50s. But even so, 
uh, there's still an awful, yeah, less than half the time that you're watching a rugby game, you're actually watching play and action. And that, and, and that doesn't include when the, the clock stopped, which is, which, is, which is even more time. So, yeah, so I think speeding up the game, and you can see that NRL is really into that because they've just said, if you kick the ball out, they want to bring a law in where you get a set of seven rather than a set of six. So, again, discouraging the ball being kicked out to keep that continuity flowing because uh, they want to get the game time up, which is... Uh, but I guess the, the one thing I've always said about this is that the more game time we have, the smaller forwards will have to be because they'll have to be more um, conditioned for cardio rather than power. But, Stephen, we see some big boys in rugby league, so I'm not sure that's going to really work. Yeah, we, we do see big big, big lads out, uh, on, in rugby league, but they're also part of a... They're used on an interchange basis, so they, they may, you know... As fast as rugby league is, sometimes some of these bigger guys are probably not even playing 40, 40 minutes for crying out loud. So they are they are different codes. Um, listen, the NFL comparison, I probably wouldn't have that in there because, <clears throat> listen, that game is very much in and around single plays. So you are going to have a stop-start nature of, of NFL. You're not going to have a whole continuity of of ball movement in, in NFL. It is what it is. Everybody who watches NFL knows knows exactly what they're getting. I suppose one thing that I would like to see is a comparison from the 70s, the 80s, because I, I was watching, obviously, during lockdown, we get a bit of downtime, so you're able to see uh, some of the games from days gone by, and I was watching the, uh, I think it was the first test between the All Blacks, All Blacks in South Africa and Newlands, I think it was 19, 1976. And to be honest, they were pretty quick to set scrums. All the set pieces happened really, really quickly. Um, the quality, not always great. But it was as scrappy, scrappy as you come. And boy, I know we beg officials in the modern day game, but man, some of the stuff that used to get missed back in the old days was just absolutely horrendous. And some of it really was horrendous. So I'd I think more than anything else, it's just a real speed up with the set pieces, the set piece lineouts. I think these have got to happen relatively quickly. And I think at times teams are given too much time to basically set a lineout, to set a scrum. And I think those are the things more than anything else that are killing the game. Yep. No, I totally agree. Um, as I've got this one up, and as I know I've got another screenshot to talk to talk about. I thought we'd move on to Triple T uh, and him moving, oops, no, I'm clicking the wrong place, uh, and him moving from the uh, Chiefs to the Crusaders in Super Rugby next year. Um, it be interesting. To, and, oh, what's happened to my picture? It's not there. That's not very good. Let's try it again and see if we can uh, actually get the, uh, the screen share up. Um, It'll be interesting to see. I mean, Triple T going off to the Crusaders, where obviously they've got uh, uh, Drummond and Hall. Uh, and um, it'll be interesting to see how many starts he gets because Enari uh, made one appearance last year compared to 13 by Drummond and 14 by Hall. Uh, and uh, didn't, uh, which um, is, uh, is uh, it might have been a start by the looks of it because it's uh, 13 starts there. But even so, one game in the whole of Super Rugby this season uh, really is isn't good for an Ari. I, I think he's a pretty good player. So, what do you think of uh, Triple T's prospects moving from the Chiefs down to the uh, Crusaders? Let's realize he's not had much game time at the Chiefs. 
Oh, look, I think, I think it's a fantastic move for uh, Tahiri Rangi because it really doesn't matter who the player is. Usually, whoever moves down to Christchurch, to the Crusaders Academy, and then on to the, uh, the big leagues, in this case, he's straight into the Crusaders squad. Obviously, you know, it does wonders for whoever that player's career is purely because they have a very good proven system and proven processes in place. Now, I can give you another example of someone who churned out a, a, a really good career who's still very much in the uh, uh, news is uh, Sivu Ries. Sivu was kind of, you know, uh, bellowing away. He, he used to play his rugby up here in Massey for, in the North Hub competition. And then he was with Waikato. And then he made the move down to Christchurch and the rest, of course, is history. So I think he needs a little bit more enthusiasm. He needs a bit of new scenery. He needs something to stimulate himself to really get his teeth sunk in. I think this is a fantastic move. And I wouldn't be surprised if he starts moving up the pecking order over the next couple of seasons. The, the, it'll, be, it'll be that slowly? Or do you think he'll be, he'll be straight into starting during next season? Listen... One one thing you've got to give the Crusaders a lot of credit for is just in and around their, their recruitment. They, if you look at the squads they've had over the years, one of the reasons why they've been so successful is just the the depth that they have through two and three, not not just not just one, and basically having a couple of backups, but they've just got <clears throat> three three quality backups, and and in Tahu Rangi, they've got all of a sudden you know a third All Black halfback, which is pretty. Pretty incredible at the, at the scheme of things. Listen, if if there was a budding young halfback who was wasn't getting game time, that that would that would be the place I'd be heading off to. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good. It'll be interesting to see if his game develops more if he gets opportunity. I, I suppose that's going to be the be the big thing. I I also do wonder. Um, there was talk that uh, Bryn Hall was actually heading offshore, and the Crusaders were originally going to sign. Falau Fakatava, and that's pretty much the word that I've, I've heard around the traps. But uh, he had a change of heart, and of course, it left the Crusaders scrambling that they needed another quality halfback, knowing that Eddie Arani had basically flown the coop. Um, and picking up uh, um, Triple T, I, it, it's, it just basically strengthens their already strong roster. Yeah, you look at who they're bringing in next season. Pablo Matera and uh, Triple T. Not too bad. Uh, two internationals there <laughs> coming, coming in. Uh, they're losing Tom Sanders off to Tokyo, uh, off to Japan. Brett Cameron is also heading over to Japan. Um, Matalehi is going to head over to the force. And uh, Josh Mackay is heading over to uh, Glasgow. Uh, and uh, Michael Alatoa is heading over to to, um, to Leinster uh, in Ireland. So hey, look, they're obviously they're losing some some good players there. But I say the players that bring you back in, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some uh, are, are very good as well. Also, I think I think it's a good move for Triple T because also, if you look at the four or the or the, the, the rugby um, Super Rugby teams, you've got uh, Finley Christie up at the Blues. You've got um, Brad Weber uh, and also um, Xavier Rowe, who's been keeping Triple T out at the Chiefs uh, down in um, uh, Wellington. You've got uh, T.J. Perinara. And then, obviously, down at the Highlanders, Aaron Smith. Um, and also, I've uh, gone blank, um, uh, Fakatava. So, in some ways, I mean, look, the, the, the four starting nines 
across the other Super Rugby franchises are all involved in the All Black squad at the moment. In some ways, I think the Crusaders 9 jersey is perhaps the easiest or the least hard uh, to uh, to get hold of. Um, hi, Bill, uh, Big Will Rugby. Hope you're having a beer um, there with that one. So, yeah, I think it's... Uh, and I, I put that out on Twitter and also onto Facebook. So, uh, I think it's a great move. I think it's, I think it's a good move for, from Triple T to go down there. Uh, yeah, also, Paul, the, I'd, I'd be really interested to see what the combination of... Uh, Tahirangi with uh, Richimonga. I think that's a very potent combination. And you're right. It's probably, ironically, the champion crusaders are probably the easiest route to get a uh, 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 number nine, let alone a starting number nine. But uh, just, just you know, looking at the, the skills and the core strengths both players, uh, Triple T and uh, Richimonga, bring to the table, I think this is going to be a very potent, intriguing combination going forward. So. Yeah, great move, fantastic. World Out Crusaders, usual story. Uh, you know, all the other franchises missing. Well, what's the whole problem? Uh, tree for the woods or woods for the trees, whichever one you want to have a look at. Great move, and um, I'm very excited. I, look, I, I, I think the, the Chiefs would have liked to have held on to him, but I think he realizes that he's behind, that he wasn't going to get much game time with the Chiefs. The Highlanders, I don't think, would be that interested in him because they've already got, to, they've already got their, they've already sorted at halfback. Um, but I could, he would have added good depth to either the, well, particularly the Crusade, particularly the the, um, the Hurricanes. Um, but um, they have got a couple of young a young guy coming through already. There, I've uh, got blank um, the um, um, Reinhard um, Roygaard, Roy Roy sorry, Cameron Roygaard, and obviously um, Jamie Booth when he's when he's fit. Yep. Uh, and Jamie Booth's only twenty six. He's not. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a lot younger than you think he is. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it's as well. So, yeah. Paul, I was going to say it's crazy to think. I think during our during our rugby chats or our, our rugby chat post that we have, you mentioned the amount of depth in, in the number nine jersey in New Zealand rugby, and it's not just the guys, not just your top sort of eight to ten halfbacks, but if you also look at Waikato, who played on the weekend, obviously Xavier Rowe started the game, but boy, I was really impressed with the boy Ratima that came on for for Waikato, Stockley built halfback. And boy, he he just absolutely he looked the goods when when he came on the on on the field as well. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. You mentioned uh, Roygaard Roygaard before from um, Roygaard before from uh, from Counties Monaco, but also the boy Henry from the uh, Manawatu Turbo. So it's if um, yeah, it's just a position at the at, at the moment that you, you talk about um, maybe being easy at the Crusaders. I, I tell you what. The top three are going to be put under a lot of pressure over the next uh, uh, few years ago with all these young young guys that are basically sniffing around. You know, I, I can see somebody like like Fakatava being in the mix, Rowe being in the mix, and of course somebody like Ratima who obviously isn't going to get a lot of game time. You know, and that's only the, the, the top of the skin of the surface that we're scratching here. Yeah, he calls says um, Ratamai, uh, who's the guy who came. Yeah, he talked about with the, against um, oh, uh, for, for Waikato. Uh, yeah, uh, last season he was down as being the starter, and Xavier Rowe pushed him to one side and said, "No, it's mine." And obviously everything's gone well for Xavier Rowe since then. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you got to say that uh, with, with Aaron Smith, TJ Pirinara, Brad Weber all signed through to the next Rugby World Cup. I am surprised that players like Drummond and Hall uh, are, are sticking around. To be honest, I thought they would have taken. The, the Japanese yen or the uh, or the French euro, uh, in all honesty. But hey, um, 
That's also one of the, they say one of the strengths of, of, of the Crusaders in Canterbury is just holding on to players and keeping them around longer than you'd expect them normally to. Uh, Matt Todd <laughs> springs to mind on that one, <laughs> for example. Um, so, yeah, uh, in, in, interesting move there with that one. Um, the Yeah, I mean, Razzie hasn't travelled to Australia, so um, this is because the World Disciplinary World Rugby Disciplinary thing is happening at the moment. He's had to submit uh, his submission, and we'll just see how that one all pans out um, from there. I think we've said plenty of times already our, our opinions on what he did, uh, and so I'm not sure there's any point going through that one anymore. Um, but uh, Blackferns have got a new coach. Um, the uh, there with um, Alan Bunting uh, has stepped down, and Corin Sweeney has uh, Corey Sweeney has stepped in. Uh, basically, the, 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 the it looks like it's the same production line that the Black Ferns Sevens have used before, um, because um, when Bunting was uh, uh, he was the um, uh, the assistant coach before he became head coach. Sweeney's been the assistant coach; he's becoming head coach. It's just. Um, a, a well-oiled machine um, lining up the next coach, eh, Bob? Yeah, pretty much progression, good success and plan as well. And congrats to Alan Bunting. I think he's had a tremendous uh, career being the head coach. Great success, great coach. And, you know, sevens coaching is pretty much a uh, specialization on its own, much like playing sevens. Um, and uh, Corey, who's coming over, I mean, he's been in the Black Ferns set up, I think, good 12, maybe 10 years now. And I recall he was a... Uh, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. RDO, Rugby Development Officer for the North Harbour Union. Uh, early sort of 2008, 2009, 10 sort of period. Had a few dealings. With him. Lovely guy, you know, very... Uh, very switched on, really inspiring sort of guy to have a chat with. And I've been on a few courses with him. I've worked on a few courses with him. So, um, yeah, pretty much looking to continue the succession. And, and, of course, you know, on the back of a gold medal in Tokyo, you really can't argue against anything else or bringing in a lateral hire. Uh, so, you know, NZR have done the right thing. I did read a small piece which NZR uh, had sent out, which I found in my inbox. And Mark Robinson was full of praise for Island Bunting and the new incoming coach. So uh, obviously the, uh, you know, the success in the barometer is going to be Commonwealth gold and hopefully back-to-back -back, uh, gold medal at the next Olympic Games. So we'll just have to wait and see how things pan out. And obviously with the uh, level four, level three sort of, you know, coming in and out, we're going to have these sort of disruptions from time to time. It's going to be challenging, but most of these new coaches, they're well-versed in 
working in and out of lockdown. So I think exciting times for the women's game, particularly in New Zealand, more specifically the sevens. Yeah, Corey Sweeney been there since 2016. So yeah, 12, not six years now. Uh, now, and Stephen, look, he's got obviously the Commonwealth Games next year in Birmingham. The Sevens World Cup, I think, it is is down in South Africa. Um, and then, yeah, two years after that, obviously, back to the rugby world, back to the uh, the Olympics. So, yeah, I mean, just uh, I mean, they're, they're defending champions in all of these things, the Blackburns. So, uh, can they go back to back with everything? I guess is the question. Yeah, very much so. so this is something, <laughs> a question that this has raised for me. <clears throat> It seems to be, um, I don't know, it seems to mirror the 15s team where the assistant coach has taken over as the, as the head coach and we're seeing it in sevens. So for me, is this, is this New Zealand rugby's policy going forward where they'll, when they look to select the head coach that they'll more or less look at somebody who's already in the coaching group as opposed to somebody outside the group? Well, we didn't see that in the men's sevens, did we? The all-black sevens when... Um... Oh. Clark Laidlaw. Sorry? Clark Laidlaw coming in. Um, yeah, but we, we, we had, but before he came in, there was the, um, there was, there, there was, a, there was a co-head coach situation, wasn't there, with um, Waldrum and somebody else, uh, Scott Waldrum and someone else were, were, were kind of, and it, yeah, it got a bit messy for, for, for a couple of years. And so they have to go outside. But you're right, I think they, I think they like to have somebody they know. But when it doesn't kind of work, they have they they, they will go outside. Yeah, I, I think I think in that case, um, Gordon Kitchens had been in that role for so long and had been relatively successful. And I don't know if there was ever a contingency put in place. It almost looked as though it was a job for life type type scenario with T Kitchens in in that particular head role. So that to me, I think the New Zealand Rugby Union need. Yeah, need they needed a bit of a slap on the hand over that. And then they, once they realised under under Gordon Pitchens there were issues with obviously some of the players at the time, I don't think they were left in a situation where they could utilise a Scott Waldron or anybody who was part of, um, beg your pardon, Gordon Pitchens' team. So hence, they had, I don't think they had any choice but to go completely away from that particular process. Yeah, also pay you know pay scales and pay rates. Given that we're in a bit of a recessionary or pandemic situation, it's always easier when you have people who are already on the payroll to negotiate a pay deal. Whereas if you're going to laterally hire a coach from outside, you know all these demands tend to be put in place. So I think there's there's a bit of economic sense there as well. But by and large, um, I I this is just my personal take on it. I think we're going to see uh, more and more. Uh, promoting from within, primarily because there's been a, a big focus on coach development and coach education within NZR and all the provincial unions, more specifically to do with the high performance. That's the uh, Super Rugby Provincial. So we're going to see people sort of climbing the ladder. So it's kind of like going back in time where, uh, you know, you do your time, you earn your stripes, and then you uh, go up the ranks. But I think there's a bit of, bit of everything. And the, the dollars would have played a big role in this as well. Yeah, and folks, look, we had a question last week asking why the Hawks Bay um, NPC coaches hadn't been given a go at Super Rugby level. Um, I've gone away and had a look at the head coach, the, the head coaches of all the Super Rugby franchises and what their path was to become head coach. Uh, and that will come out as a supporters special 
uh, over the in the next couple of days. So uh, look out for that one, folks. So look at uh, um, Leo McDonald, Clayton McMillan, Warren Gatland, uh, Scott Robinson, Tony Brown, and Jason Holland, and how they got their roles as head coaches of those Super Rugby franchises. Because I think it's, I think it's about two, two maybe three routes to get in there uh, as to as to how you get there in, into those ones. Um, what other kind of news items have we got then? Um, the triple team yeah, thing we'll about one that. little note to add this, uh, Paul, with, with uh, coaching in this country at the highest level or first class, you need certain pieces of uh, qualifications paperwork. There's a big focus on that now as well, which so you have to be within the World Rugby uh, Coaching Education Framework. So you go through your different stages where you have your uh, DRC, which is your level one, level two, level three. Then you have your professional coaching license. And then if you want to do anything further, you can do what I'm sort of doing, which is coach, educator, trainer, master trainer, so on and so forth. So depending on which level you um, want to coach, you need to garner a certain set of qualifications, which is accredited by the World Rugby Passport Program. It's a common, uh, it's a common platform for getting any and all qualifications within the World Rugby uh, Educational Program. It's, uh, you know, it does have its advantages and it has its sort of, you know, not so great aspects as well, because, you know, not, nothing can replace uh, true legitimate experience. So that's one part of it. The other part is you've got to have overseas experience coaching at uh, a high level. So if you are coaching locally at provincial level, which is NPC, Chances are, if you want to get a uh, higher coaching gig, you will probably have to go overseas, i.e. Japan, Europe, uh, all the likes, do some coaching there, get those relevant qualifications, and then come back into New Zealand. Well, three out of six of those coaches have not, uh, of the Super Rugby coaches have not coached overseas. So um, <laughs> this is a, a, a little stat for you there. Sorry, Stephen? Paul, something I was going to say <clears throat> about the... Uh, men's performance in Tokyo whilst it was a incredible silver medal I didn't think for any stage they were ever going to beat Fiji <clears throat> if they, they came up against the um, the current and now back-to-back -back Olympic, Olympic champions in that final and one thing that disappoints me a little bit is uh, once again I, I talk, talk about having a plan moving forward we saw the first Ignite Sevens back in 2018. That was three years ago. And we saw a lot of young talent come out of the, not the, the 2018 tournament, but also 2019, 2020. And if you mm. think if, if you think of that current current men's team, boy, there were a lot of names that had been in that team for a very, very long time. And I just think it needed a, a bit of an injection of youth. And at times during the tournament, you actually saw that, you know, somebody who had been a, a star of the Night Sevens was William Warbrick. Now, he looked really good when he came on the paddock, but obviously not quite good enough to, in the eyes of the coach, <clears throat> excuse me, be on the paddock in the final. And I just think maybe Clark uh, McKenzie may have just missed a trick there. Hmm. Yeah, well, he, he sure did. And from a coaching point of view, be 15s or 7s, I think... Uh... You know, if you have a certain group of players who can express themselves and have the X factor, you got to let them, uh, you know, do their thing. One thing I did see in the sevens was we played a very, very, very ultra-structured game. Everything was, was almost like a compressed version, version of the 15s. Whereas if you look at Fiji, 
you know, they just they just didn't care. They just ran it from everywhere, and that's their core competence or strength. And in the end, all the structured play pretty much was one mistake. It came to nothing because, you know, basically Fiji ran right around us. So if there's a lesson to be learned, you have to really know your players. You have to understand yeah. what their X factor is. And sometimes you've got to trust them and give them the discretion so that they can just go and have a go. And I think that was one of the errors that coaching setup committed. Really? really one of the big differences between sevens and fifteens, obviously there's less players on the pitch, but it's essentially that fifteens is a possession sorry, fifteens is a territory based game, whereas sevens is a possession based game. So yeah, you can't just try and do a, a mini fifteens way of playing. What what I what I really enjoyed about watching a team like Argentina, they actually did bring a little bit of fifteens to the sevens code. They were so accurate at, at breakdown and so good and versed at breakdown, they were able to keep the ball for very, very long periods and and create pressure. And I thought their game, I think it was against, was it Great Britain or South, speaking your pardon, South Africa? I South Africa, was, sorry. That to me was just the game of the tournament. How they basically, oh. how they managed that game. I, a player down, what, after only a couple of minutes, the player got the red card. I'd, that was just a sensational performance. And for me personally, I they're one of the teams I'm really, really looking forward to watching in this World Series, and that's more because of the youth of this team. Uh, hopefully they can keep them in there rather than getting, rather than getting stolen by 15s. But they, um, again, financial pressure on that one, but uh, but then they got a yellow card as well. They were down to five, seven versus five, and they still won it. I mean, amazing, amazing performance um, by Argentina. Uh, they're, uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, just um, before we kind of wrap up, because uh, this is just a quick informal chat, but uh, is um, Ian Foster uh, talking about how this is going to be an unprecedented tour. We've got 10 games in 12 weeks. Um, we've got all the changes of lockdown and all these kind of things. Um, and then you, you hear on Twitter, a lot of people going, well, yeah, but the uh, the Wallabies have already been in a bubble, effectively locked away from home and not able to go home for the past a month or two uh we've had the same for south africa they've not seen their families already for a couple of months uh same with argentina is he um overrating it or do you think it's just well, this is for the um to, to to let the i guess the, the the casual fans understand what's going on here or is he or is he kind of uh, overstating it something a little bit look it's a bit of both and also there's an element of his kind of trying to soften the landing if things don't go quite right. <laughs> that's what it is. You know, and that's what coaches do because this is this is one of the questions which gets put to me on a very regular basis from budding coaches. You know, how 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 do I how do I I mean if things don't go right. So what you call fear of failure. So you know everyone goes through this. It's 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 a it's a very human uh facet and it in you know being the all blacks coach it's gonna be quite brutal if things don't go uh, to uh, his liking, or you know, the results aren't great. Look, it's it's it is a challenge, uh, but you gotta love it. This is the sort of thing you live for. Um, I do feel for the players because it is a big, big commitment. That said, you know, as you rightly said, Paul, it's the same for all other teams as well. Um, and at the same time, you know, there's an element of marketing as well. You know, you gotta you gotta get more eyeballs. You gotta get more uh, people reading the newspaper. So it's overall, it's it's a wonderful thing now. He's, he's talked it up, so he's got to, he's got to, uh, you know, deliver the results. And, and interestingly, we have, uh, we'll be without three of our key, key, real key players uh, at a venue, which is historically 
been a bit of a stumbling block for the All Blacks. So, and then from there, we move on to the Sunshine State. Again, historically, we haven't done you know, as, as good as we should have, and we've lost a few games. So this is going to be a huge challenge, and the reality is if we do end up dropping the game in Perth, uh, because statistically there's a pattern there, and it says that the Wallabies do have a chance, no matter how good or bad they are, no matter, no matter how good or bad the All Blacks are. So this is, it's going to be an interesting time, and hopefully this tour like never starts off on a good note, more so for Mr. Ian Foster. Yeah, I, I gotta agree with a lot of what Boa is saying. Paul, this is this is not this is not home ground for Blacks. It's not not the fortress of, of Eden Past Park. We're going away. We're gonna be playing on hard ground. So if he does have a bad landing, this it's probably gonna break up it's probably gonna break up on contact. Um you know, he's going away without three of his uh, uh senior players there, hence Hence, if you listen to some of his conversations, uh, you speak of that uh, soft landing. I think that's what he's what he's looking for. But I think it also, once again, it brings into question why he was. You know, he's been his contract has been extended. Me personally, I probably would have waited until the after the results of the of the rugby championship because let's let's face it, there's going to be a real real test. If another loss to Argentina won't go, go down well. Neither will a loss to Australia, dare I say it, after being so convincing in these uh, two tests here in, in New Zealand. And gee, heaven, heaven above, if they lose to South Africa and just one loss, I think that, that might be enough to have uh, uh, Coach Foster under, under siege, shall we say. Well, I think actually I, by deciding it now, a, I think they were always going to always going to give him the give him the contract extension anyway, um, and by doing it now, you've removed some of the stress for the next twelve weeks, right? Which I think is is so. I, I get why they've done it. Um, I was a bit surprised they didn't give him four years in the first place. To be honest, uh, it seemed like an a, 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 a pretty much an automatic extension because he doesn't matter how many games he's lost, he's got all the excuses in the world as to why because of COVID, yada yada yada. So yeah, look. Um, at least, Boa, you'll be happy that we've got Luke Pearce for that 100th Test match against um, uh, against uh, against the... Um, but please, folks, can you can, they, can people stop going, oh, it's disgusting how the 100th Test match between the All Blacks and uh, the Springboks will be a curtain raiser for the Wallabies versus Argentina. Look, as new Kiwi fans, we want the earlier game because it's a better time zone for us to watch it here in New Zealand. The later the game is, the later we have to stay up. So, guys, stop it. Jeez. <laughs> uh, How self-entitled and do those people sound? I'm sorry. It's just absolute BS. But, but here's, here's the other side of the coin. If the All Blacks end up winning this whole gig, which, which they can easily do that, doesn't matter what the margins are, how great will Ian Foster look? All of a sudden, he's, he's, he'll be the man. So, Interesting times. It's uh, it's a bit like, um, you know, how much does a polar bear weigh? Just enough to break the ice. So, kind of like walking on eggshells, you know. <laughs> but just just for the record, I've bought an extra dozen eggs and I'll pack six of them away just to be, <laughs> so I can chuck them at my face at the end of the uh, rugby championship. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say so I can be at, I can be at um I could be at Auckland Airport for when they arrive back and I can throw them at Ian Foster. I can smash them all on my face. 
Most of my day take a ship to do this. Here it is. I'll, I'll, I'll put the challenge out now. If the All Blacks go over there and they are unbeaten, live on one of your shows, I will break an egg over my head. Uh, without a cap on. Without a cap on. No, Guys, here's, here's my call. I'm going to make this early. I'm predicting the All Blacks to win each and every game, i.e. unbeaten, or win all but one game. Not by big margins. Tight. We're talking nine or less. It's, uh, we're going to have to really go to the well in pretty much each and every game, primarily because we're missing some very, very key players who make the nucleus. Because if you look at what we've been doing, how we've dismantled particularly the Wallabies in such stunning fashion, these players, they play a huge, huge part of it. So this might be the coming of age, some of these younger players on this tour, and this might really solidify Ian Foster as a tactical coach. However, if it doesn't go that way, um, I think the sport is going to be pretty swift, pretty long, and it's going to be pretty brutal. Look, I, I, I don't think Argentina are the side they were last year. They've already lost twice on the bounce to the Springboks. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think they're going to be quite the same challenge. Uh, once we leave, so I think the, obviously, um, next week, uh, or the, yeah, next, not this weekend, but next weekend, um, up against the uh, Wallabies and the Blizzo 3, that'll be a, a game. And it's going to be a game because also the All Blacks can make a lot of changes for that one. We've got the two South Africa, two, the two Springbok games going to be tough. We then head over to to um, to Europe. Uh, there's the USA game, which will be easy enough. Wales is outside the um, window, so they're not going to have all their players. Uh, particularly number ten is going to be difficult for them. Uh, we then they then play Ireland, so they play Italy, then Ireland, then France. So I think the 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 the, the key one there, or one of the key games, is going to be that, that last game, the tenth game against France. That have been on the road. They'll want to be they want to be home. They don't want to be there really by that stage. France will have been at home. Maybe they bubbled up for like two or three weeks because of the November internationals, but essentially they've been home. Um, so to me, that game is going to be a real, real tough game, that 10th game against France. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, a tour like no other. There you go. See <laughs> <laughs> yep. it. Tour like no other. Absolutely. So thank you very much, boys. Um, and uh, isn't it interesting how even in these COVID times, the All Blacks managed to uh, pull out what is it, uh, 15 uh, test matches this year, um, and uh, which is uh, pretty much the most they ever play in a year. So, uh, wow, one of the busiest years, even though they're under COVID lockdown or under COVID, under COVID conditions um, so far. So, yes, a, a busy old year, and you wonder why we're getting more and more 100 test All Blacks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, <laughs> that's your answer, folks. Um, thank you very much, guys. And uh, yeah, look, I'll be back here again tomorrow at five o'clock for um, lockdown beers and uh, 